Humans are such habitual creatures. That makes me want to do the intro for keyword news. But surprise, today is a Chuseok special. And so we thought we may change things up. We are joined by Adam, though, on the line. Uh, good morning, Adam. Well, good morning and happy Chuseok, Lena. Happy Chuseok. We had to create sort of a theme to delve into one large discussion topic. And it came to us pretty naturally because it's high stakes. Yeah. Those November votes just a few weeks away. That's right. It's not that long until we have uh, the vote for, uh, hopefully, Putin hosting the World uh, Expo in 2030. All eyes are on these votes. A lot of efforts have been put in. So, yeah, okay. hopefully it does make it here to Korea. But of course, we'll have to see in a all right, so we want to get our listeners all caught up with what's at stakes here. So we're going to try to explore the World Expo, what it promises to offer for the host countries. Uh, it does seem to be a high stakes game. So Korea has been, of course, actively promoting Busan to host the event, like you said, by in 2030. But the odds are pretty stacked up against us. So the other two competitors are pretty fierce. The port city is up against Riyadh of Saudi Arabia, Rome of Italy, both uh, host uh, mm. prospective host countries who have a lot to offer too. Yeah. All right. So before we even get to who may or who may not host, maybe we mm. should try to explain what exactly is a World Expo. We keep comparing yeah. it to the likes of the Olympics at the World Cup. Yeah. But what yeah. is it exactly? Yeah, I know. There's a lot of fuss and uh, uh, headlines surrounding this World Expo and how Busan is trying to get a spot and trying to host it. But uh, there's, of course, going to be questions about, well, why is it? Uh, why does it matter? I mean, what right. is the World Expo? It, it, it does elude a lot of people, actually, surprisingly. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, just to tell you a little bit about it, the background, the World Expo is, as you mentioned, one of the oldest and actually biggest events uh, on the planet. It's one of, one of the world's three major international uh, events that includes, as you mentioned, the Olympics and the World Cup and the World Expo. Those three are basically the ones that uh, every country in Osa City wants to host, basically. Now, every five years, a city takes turn to host the occasion. It lasts six months at a time, usually. Uh, and invites every country across the globe to take part in showcasing basically uh, the best of what they have to offer. Uh, this includes their culture as well as technology or any other innovations that they might have. So it's basically like a very large global planetary exhibition of every country's basically best-selling item mm. and thing, basically. Uh, so it's a celebration of human achievements uh, and a platform for international cooperation. Uh, it's also a gathering of nations dedicated to finding solutions to pressing challenges of our time. So, uh, for example, climate change and things like that. It's also a, a venue where people and uh, all these nations come together uh, to think of a solution. Uh, now, which city will host is determined by the Bureau International d'Expositions. Uh, each expo is also held with a new theme, uh, with a plethora of engaging and immersive um, activities. Now, one thing to note is that the expo uh, recognized by the BIE is divided into what's known as registered exposi exposition and recognized exposition. So it can be a bit confusing. Mm. There is a kind of a distinct uh, exp expos that are held. Uh, Tedon Expo and Yasu Expo, those two have actually been held uh, in Korea in the past, but they were what's known as uh, recognized expos, meaning basically medium scale that is held once during the period between 
registered expos. Now, unlike the recognized expo, which is held for up to 90 days, with a kind of clear specific theme, the registered expo is basically the large-scale comprehensive expo that everyone talks about and everyone wants to host and mm. basically covers all topics uh, related to uh, all developments of mankind uh, and exhibitions in various fields and can be also a political stage as well for world leaders to gather and talk about their problems and discuss and brainstorm on how to solve it. So that's why there's a lot of attention being paid to Pusan hosting the World Expo. Okay. And I, mean, I can see, and I'm not placing blame on Nero, but look at yeah. how vague these wordings are. When we think right. World <laughs> Cup, we think football, yeah. Olympics, yeah. sports, a celebration of that. And then you yeah. talk about the World Expo. This includes everything yeah. and anything in between culture, technology, and innovations. It's pretty massive. <laughs> it is pretty massive, but that's just the scale of the event itself. Okay. I mean, it is basically a platform where all of these are basically showcased. So he's going of course, there is a theme so that uh, there's some kind of consensus and some sort of uniformity. But of course, uh, the expo itself has kind of changed in terms of its concept and ideology over the years as well. So mm. first, if it, if it was more centered towards technology, maybe now it's more uh, maybe focused to sustainability, future growth uh. and uh, culture and things like that. So. Yeah, there's a little bit of leeway in terms of what defines or what uh, the whole concept of the expo is. But right. it's basically showcasing uh, well, the best, as I said, right. as each country, uh, the best selling item and culture and technology and things like that. But I that's... remember reading. Yeah, it's where you do the big unveiling for the latest tech, like the printing press, for right. example. But I mean, yeah. when the Eiffel Tower was first erected to the much dismay of locals, I, I believe it yeah. was done at the time of the expo. Things like that right. happen. All yeah. coinciding, not so coincidentally, with the World Expo. Can we rewind the clock just a little bit and delve into its history? Yeah. How does this massive event get its start? Yeah, so surprisingly, it dates back quite a while, actually. Uh, the history of the World Expo actually dates back all the way to 1851, but it was under a different name. At the time, it was the Great Exhibition, and it was held in uh, London's uh, Crystal Palace. Uh, this event set the stage for basically future uh, World Expos. Now, in 1853, the second World Expo uh, was held in New York, uh, during which the uh, what was at the time a young USA uh, exhibited its achievements to the world for the first First time. Then, of course, it happened in Paris, 1855. Uh, and that's when concrete, aluminium, or aluminum for the US viewers, <laughs> and rubber products uh, were exhibited uh, for the first time. And of course, the iconic Eiffel Tower. Uh, the event returned to London in 1862, showcasing new industrial products, including textile machines, printing presses, and trains. Of course, that runs coincides with the time of the Industrial Revolution in the UK, mm. uh, and steam trains and the likes. Uh, and during the 1862 Vienna World Expo, uh, the new power unit, the electric motor, so another significant technological milestone, was presented to the world uh, for the first time so it's kind of the world expos of modern day have kind of steered away from very uh what what should we say uh, innovative or brand new technological mm. feats and more towards culture and uh, other kind of humanitarian mm. side of things mm. uh maybe uh we could see in 2030 it's a uh, quite away uh, away from now so we could of course have more time for more technological not technological advances so we'll have to see if there's any other groundbreaking or any um you know amazing technology that might uh you know, cause a, a bit of a, a a bit of a scene in the technological world and uh, AIs and autonomous driving, AIs, flying yes. taxis. Well, 
Yeah, so by that time, we'll probably have a lot more electric vehicles, mm. more sophisticated AI. So we could see probably the next step in that uh, realm. But mm. of course, uh, Korea wants to have Busan be the venue <laughs> for all that unveiling, right? <laughs> Speaking of Korea, uh, for 2030, Busan is in the running to host the event. But can we revisit Korea's past involvement in that different leg of World Expo? Yeah, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, the history does uh, date back all the way to uh, 1893, actually, when uh, Korea was first participated in what at the time was called the World's Fair. But the Tejon and Yosu Expos we'll get on to in a minute. Mm. Uh, now, Korea managed to secure a small exhibition space, uh, despite of Japanese aggression and colonialism at the time. Uh, the nation displayed everyday objects such as uh, kites, cushions, uh, lacquerware, as well as armor and cannons uh, at the time. Uh, however, the tiny size of the uh, Korean pavilion, of course, stood in stark contrast to the neighboring uh, Japan's massive pavilion. And it's been that case during that time of uh, um, Japan's uh, aggression. Now, in 1987, so a bit more of a, a modern uh, day, Korea was granted membership to the BIE. Now, this led uh, to Korea's first hosting of the Expo in 1993, when it was held in Tejan. But as I said, this is a recognized Expo. It's mm. not, so it's not, it is a significant milestone, of course, but it's not like the big one that Pusan uh, uh, is vying for. Now, this Expo was themed the challenge of a new road of developments, uh, and it showcased uh, Korea's basically rapid industrialization and technological advancements. Of course, Korea uh, went through a long period of recession and was quickly developed uh, mm -hmm. into what is now um, one of the uh, leading developing economies in the world. Uh, and it actually marks uh, Korea's 100th year of participation in world expos as well. Now, it ran for 93 days. It drew over 14 million visitors from 108 countries and 33 international organizations and institutions. Uh, in 2012, Korea hosted its second expo, recognized expo that is, in the coastal city uh, of Yosu in South China province. I actually went to that event uh, at that time and remembered waiting in very long lines <laughs> in extreme heat, but it was a very uh, was a visual <laughs> spectacle nonetheless. But uh, it was not, there wasn't a lot of shade and it's right by the coast uh, where a lot of, and down south, of course, tends to be uh, much hotter than in the central regions or up north. Now, the uh, uh, event ran for 83 days that time, mm. uh, and it attracted just over 8 million visitors from 105 countries. So not as large as the Tejon one, but of mm. course Tejon being the first kind of um, dedicated hosting of the uh, expo, of course, a lot more attraction was uh, centered on Tejon. Uh, now the theme at, uh, for the Yosu uh, expo was the living ocean and coast uh, of course appropriately named because it was just by the coast and uh, <laughs> there, there was a famous song named after that uh, yasu area as well but, yasu uh, pampada? yes that's the one. <laughs> no, not, because of, not because of the expo just, there's no uh, correlation just, there <laughs> no correlation at all just saying but uh, coincidentally <laughs> coincidentally it was kind of reached fame at kind of that similar time. Sure, so sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and of course, the big question is, you know, can we measure what kind of economic impact these expos have? And it's not just about the money, is it? It's about boosting sort of this st uh, social standing for a country yeah. and image, if you right. will. How did the expo impact South Korea? 
Yeah, so basically in the 1993, when it was held in Tejan, it did have a profound impact uh, on South Korea. Uh, it not only enhanced the nation's global image, at that time, it wasn't Korea wasn't really that well known in the international uh, community. Uh, but it also, of course, spurred economic development and infrastructure uh, growth as well. We could see Tejan as uh, being one of the uh, main cities of um, technological advances and research with the likes of KAIST uh, mm -hmm. University, one of the top universities universities in Korea uh, that uh, specializes in mathematics and engineering and science and uh, robotics uh, for that matter as well. Now the expo site itself uh, was transformed into an innovative science park so it was put to well use, uh, good use uh, now. Uh, the 2012 expo has also helped uh, Yosu's development uh, locally as well and basically Busan is hoping to achieve the same uh, goal for 2030 but it's Pretty much the same story when it goes to any city or country, really. The main reason that all these countries and cities wants to host the World Expo or the Olympics or the mm. World Cup is basically to improve their brand image uh, and their standing in the globe, as well as, of course, the economic benefits, although there have been some where mm. it has uh, actually drained some economies. But um, for the moment, uh, the expectation is that for 2030 World Expo, the economic benefits uh, will certainly come. All right. Uh, and it's not just Busan that's vying for this exclusive spot in 2030. Uh, and it's a pretty steep set of competition. What have the other countries been doing to promote their respective cities? I mean, there's a big difference between what Rome can offer, what Busan can offer, yeah. and clearly what Riyadh can offer. Yes, exactly. They all have their very uh, individual strong points and their USPs, their unique selling points. Uh, mm -hmm. So let's first look at Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's, of course, bidding for uh, Riyadh uh, and uh, to be held uh, between the uh, dates of October 1st and uh, March 31st of 2031. So they're proposing that period and they're proposing the theme, the era of change together for a foresighted tomorrow. Now, the location is called the site so and it's designed as a futuristic city around uh, <laughs> okay. an ancient valley so the site is called the site now it embodies uh, both the oasis and garden origins of Riyadh and the vision of the country to pioneer a sustainable future uh, for cities and their communities i'm mostly uh, paraphrasing here or uh, directly quoting from the uh, sales spiel that they've been mm. uh, putting out now it's located uh, the site is located north of Riyadh in close proximity to King Khalid International Airport. That's one of the biggest selling points that Saudi Arabia has. It would be the only World Expo site in the world to actually be located at only one metro station away uh, from the airport. So basically, as soon as you land, just one subway stop ride, and then you're there at the expo. So that's, of course, a very appealing uh, selling point. Uh, now, in June, Saudi Arabia unveiled its Riyadh Expo 2030 master plan uh, at an official reception uh, that was organized by the Royal Commission for Riyadh city uh, in Paris. Now, planning organizers have touted that the bl uh, blueprint will work on developing a version of the expo that is most flexible when it comes mm. to visitors' movement at the site, of course, being close to um, the subway station and the airport and the most interactive, collaborative and sustainable uh, ever. So that is their uh, sales pitch. And of course, um, I will allude, uh, mention this uh, later as well, but Saudi Arabia has been making uh, a lot of waves in uh, the area of uh, sports as well, because mm. they just have 
just ridiculous amounts of money to oil pour money in. <laughs> oil money uh they've created a bit of um, a controversy in golf as well with a brand new golf league taking some right. of the top pga players and uh of course uh, taking cristiano ronaldo one of the highest paid <laughs> footballers to its league as well so will they do that with the same of the world expo we'll have to see i mean money talks and these events yeah. uh it clearly pays off you're talking about brand new infrastructure that can support maybe the needs of people in 2030 that might be different from the needs that we yeah. have in 2023 yeah. now in stark contrast i must say what role master offer is yeah. culture history yeah. and and things that riyadh might claim as outdated <laughs> Yeah, that's right. I mean, if it, Riyadh would probably be a more of a futuristic kind right. of uh, sci-fi type uh, expo, if you will, although I, I haven't seen the, the, the infrastructure yet. But of course, Rome, of course, a very historical city, rich in culture where a lot of tourists uh, go. Now, Rome is proposing holding the events between May 1st and October 31st, 2030, under the theme uh, People and Territories, Regeneration, Inclusion and Innovation. Uh, the intent is basically to create a world expo that wants to deliver a polycentric and truly inclusive future, of course, I'm quoting here, that offers every human being the same opportunities, both in terms of infrastructure and services and cultural and social developments. Now, the city offers, of course, several reasons to be chosen, uh, including a large population, the inclusion of foreign residents and mm. the presence of uh, a major technology hub and its status as a basically a favorite tourist destination. Uh, the city's bid is to build around a project promoting new ways of urban coexistence designed to uh, bypass the traditional separation between center and suburbs and based around the four pillars of history, nature, innovation, and inclusion. Again, I'm quoting. Uh, these are the words <laughs> of Rome uh, Mayor Roberto uh, Gualtieri uh, when he was announcing uh, Rome's bid. But we all know how uh, historically rich uh, Rome is uh, with the culture. Uh, so there's more of a kind of a sentimental and more of a kind of um, mm. emotional attachment to Rome when it comes to the expo. Riyadh is buying for some uh, futuristic and you know glitz and glamour if you will but uh, of course we'll have its own merits and uh, charm okay all of this build up to get to the focus of today's <laughs> segment <laughs> why Busan Adam why Busan <laughs> yeah well basically Busan is looking to host uh, of course uh, Korea's first ever registered expo so the big one that I've been keep mentioning which is uh, which would differentiate itself from the previous two in Tezun and Yasu uh, Busan can showcase its status as a hub for technological innovation through its uh, thriving R&D sector, uh, thanks to its leading universities and think tanks, as well as uh, a robust entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem as well. Also, Busan has finished its preparations. It is a city that has gone uh, undergone rapid development and dynamic change. It has established itself as a hub of logistics and transportation in Northeast Asia, being, uh, and a, being a port city. Uh, and it certainly has high hopes to share those experiences of growth and change through the World Expo 2030. And uh, also, it has a very good uh, experience in history of hosting mm. international events, uh, most notably. Um, it's hosted three multilateral summits, uh, and it also has excellent infrastructure when it comes to exhibitions, uh, namely the Betsco Exhibition Hall, for example, is recognized for its expertise in mm. uh, international exhibitions. Uh, Busan is also well equipped with infrastructure such as airports, high-speed rail, state-of-the-art ports, and uh, an outstanding geography by the sea including uh, seven beaches rivers and mountains it's also where the renowned 
annual Busan International Film Festival is held. There's, of course, other various cultural events uh, involving Korean culture. There's the second largest and major city in Korea. Of course, it has that charm and merit going for it. Um, and the efforts date all the way back to 10 years ago. So it's been a long time since Korea has <laughs> been trying to get Busan to host the uh, World Expo. Um, and uh, the theme will be transforming our world, navigating toward a better future, uh, the bid focuses on sustainable living with nature and technology for humanity, as well as providing a platform for sharing. Uh, there are two main reasons, of course, why Korea, as well as any other country, would want to host the World Expo. Of course, it is to enhance the national brand and subsequently economic growth for the country. Mm. Second, the Expo is expected to have a positive effect on the urban development in various fields, such as uh, revitalizing the local economy. Now, if the World Expo in 2030 is hosted in Busan, Korea will become actually the seventh country in the world to host all three major international events, the Olympics, the World Cup, and the registered expo. So, of course, it will be a very um, outstanding milestone. And, of course, the economic ripple effect is also far greater than that of the Olympics and the World Cup as well. So that Busan is, of course, vying for that. All right, Adam, we've run out of time. <laughs> I apologize. I've been blabbering on. <laughs> no, of course uh, not. Yeah. Uh, frankly speaking, I thought this wouldn't be exciting, but it was quite exciting. Thank you for yeah. such an insightful conversation. We appreciate it. I, I do. I do uh, appreciate that. And I do apologize for the uh, TMI. But, uh, I think I struggled to keep things a bit concise this time. Now. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully uh, we were going to go on to the chances of Busan's bid, but uh, hopefully Busan will have a, a great chance, of, mm. especially when you look at the diplomatic efforts being involved. So uh, we'll have to wait until the vote in November. All Fingers right. crossed. Thank you very much, Adam. Happy Chusaka. We'll speak to you again next Happy week. You're very welcome. Happy Chusaka. See you next week. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.